Again, I'd like to, like Cindy said, thank each and every one of you for being here with us today. Um, I'm actually really surprised to see this many people here on such a snowy day in western Washington. So thank you for coming. Uh, what a blessing to see each and every one of you. I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor David VM to come up at this time. And uh, David VM is the president of the Lutheran Brethren Seminary in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. And he is going to come and he is going to share with us the Word of God today. Uh, Dr. Uh, Viam was actually my professor while I was in seminary. So he was a part of uh, developing and forming who I am today uh, as a pastor. And uh, those years at seminary were some of the best and also some of the hardest. And if you've ever been to seminary, you know what I mean by that. Uh, but I'd like to thank Dr. Viam for coming here today and sharing with us a little bit about the seminary uh, that we have in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, the importance of that for training pastors and for training missionaries and training those uh, within our congregations who serve, who uh, really give uh, and feed our congregations uh, the bread of life, the word of God and his sacraments. So, but first I'd like to pray for, for Pastor Viam. Come here. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and uh, we thank you and we praise you for uh, your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for godly men who have answered the call, the call to serve you, uh, to follow you into the work to which you've uh, called us. And Lord, I thank you that you have given to, um, to Pastor Viam uh, this uh, passion and this uh, desire and this ability to lead our uh, seminary. And Lord, I just pray your peace and your blessings upon him and upon his family. And I pray uh, also your blessings upon the entire ministry of Lutheran Brethren Seminary and uh, all of those who go there to study, uh, to be equipped uh, for the work of preaching, for the work of mission, for the work of evangelism, not only within North America, but also around the world. So Lord, as, uh, as the word of God is open to us today, I pray that we would have hearts to receive and uh, that you would do the good work in our hearts that only you can do by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Um, and thank you for the uh, worship service this morning. The Spirit of God has just been uh, uh, blessing me and speaking to me as uh, we have been together hearing the word and singing together. And when we were singing, my hope is built on nothing less, and right toward the end of the song, you know, the choir got up and came up and stood. It was just like someone had given an altar call <laughs> in, in my spirit, and I just sensed. And then they turned and they sang to me, uh, my hope is built on nothing less, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And uh, it's just been really, really good to, uh, to be here this morning and uh, to worship with you. Um, it is a privilege to have made it through the snow and ice, right? And to be here, but is there anything that's whiter than snow, freshly fallen? Isn't it amazing? The psalmist says, uh, um, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And the prophet says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What a message that we've been given to, sh to share. It's a privilege to greet you from Lutheran Brethren Seminary and from the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. I, can't help but mention, even as we are evangelizing uh, in all of our churches, the special advancements that are going forward. Uh, we are seeking to uh, evangelize in significant new ways in Colorado, North Dakota, Alberta, Manhattan, and Connecticut. And then uh, in uh, across the world, um, special efforts in Taiwan, uh, 
Ben and Sarah Haas just arrived there a couple of months ago to continue the mission to reach the Hakka people, one that was started by one of your former pastors, Joel and Mary Beth Nordfett, and then Ethan and Sandy Christofferson are also continuing that work who, who once served here. In Africa, we are working in the, the part of the world that has the highest concentration of unreached people groups in the world, 80-some uh, Muslim groups that need the gospel, and we are working in three of them. And I mention that today especially to ask you to pray for the, the missionaries and their children and for their protection. Again and again, we have seen that the opposition to the ministry has especially affected the children, often physically. And just a couple of days ago, we received, received word that Danny and Mandy Bronson's uh, newborn infant who had significant surgery a few weeks ago, the surgery was not successful, and they don't know now this little infant might need a liver transplant. And so just pray for their protection because they seem to be the object of uh, the opposition of the dark side uh, to the gospel going forward. Um, at the seminary, uh, our distance program continues to expand. Two-thirds of our students are distance students around North America. We're also adding a chaplaincy training component uh, next year, so students will leave and they can apply for roles as chaplains. But the most important part of that is they will get even a better look in the mirror because they all need it. So we do some pretty significant psychological testing both at the beginning of seminary and the end of seminary. They do a personal growth plan at the beginning of seminary and a personal development plan at the end. But we need them as prepared as possible emotionally and spiritually to face the, the rigors of, of uh, ministry. And then LBDI. You likely haven't heard of it because we've been trying to not say anything about it till it's really ready to launch, but I think we're ready. LB Discipleship Institute. This month we're ready to pilot test an elder training course that will be available completely online, prepared by Dr. Bo and by Reverend Joel Eggie, and with short videos and some reading materials. Brad Pribino has just finished a course on how to read the Bible, and uh, we'll get you uh, up to date when those courses will be available for you to take. Uh, Daniel Berge is working on a couple of New Testament survey courses, and uh, that will be uh, an effort to try to bring kind of the essence of we what we teach in seminary to lay people for, for their benefit. And then uh, lastly, I want to just thank this congregation for your support of uh, Lutheran Brethren Seminary, especially in sending students. <laughs> but now my question for you this morning is, should you send them? I don't mean to Lutheran Brethren Seminary. We've got a great school. But should you be sending them into ministry? at all. To help us answer that question, we're going to turn to the gospel text for this Sunday, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's the story of the call of Peter and the great catch of fish, and I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, that is Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. 
But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they had closed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing it to us. And we simply confess that we need your Holy Spirit to open our minds and hearts to hear what you have to say. We trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God's call on my life is to encourage the call. And I get to do that with people across North America. And the pattern is something like this. I get a name, we have lunch, that starts a conversation that lasts for three or four years or longer, and then some of them enroll and come to seminary and enter the ministry. Um, one of our graduates quipped a few years ago at our annual banquet at the end of the school year, yeah, Dr. VM, he's that guy that will trade you a $10 hamburger for a $30,000 tuition bill. Thankfully, because of endowments and because of congregations like Maple Park, the students don't pay all of that cost. But it is a great privilege to encourage the call. I've even had the privilege of doing that with some from this congregation. Uh, Twelve years ago, your pastor said, there's a high school graduate from our church that you really need to talk to. Alan Johnson and I had coffee at Starbucks at Alderwood, and that started a long conversation and Eleven years later, through the encouragement and the support of this church, he graduated and is serving in Sammamish. Ben Miller and I met for coffee the first time in May of 2014. I know Pastor Adam has strongly encouraged him to uh, enter seminary, and he has applied and is planning to begin seminary in August. What a privilege it is to encourage the call. Only sometimes I wonder, should I really be encouraging them to enter the ministry? Should you be encouraging them to go? It's not that they don't have the gifts. They do. It's not that we don't need pastors. We do. But because of the challenges... Three more years of schooling, the hard work of preaching, the burden of carrying the suffering of their parishioners, and then, <laughs> and then the, the, the only tool that they have in their arsenal 
is the simple message of the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. The only message they have in their arsenal, the only tool, is the simple message of the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. Paul even said that to the Corinthians, which we heard this morning. The folly, the foolishness of what we preach. That's all. That's all they have to bring. Except that this message, the word of the cross, has the power to transform. The word of the cross has the power to transform high school students and their families. The word of the cross has the power to transform the secularist and the pagan. The word of the cross has the power to transform the highly religious and the hopelessly lost. And this is what Peter had to learn in Discipleship 101 that day. That the word of the cross is powerful. Its power goes beyond the bounds of human logic. He had to learn in a fishing lesson. The the time was wrong. The the sun was high in the sky. The, The place was wrong. He and his partners had been fishing in that spot all night, and there weren't any fish. And what could this carpenter from landlocked Nazareth possibly know about fishing? When the sun is high in the sky... And to put down his nets again. The people on the shore must have wondered, what was he doing? Peter wondered too. But in response to the word of Christ, he threw out the nets. Suddenly the water was boiling, the nets were breaking. Peter was shouting for help, probably even using some of his old language. The boats were sinking. And that's when this soon-to-be chief of the disciples learned what he would need to know for all of his years of ministry, that the word of the cross is powerful. This is for you, Pastor Adam, as you lead this congregation. This is for you, Ben, as you mentor the youth of this church. This is for you, Sunday school teachers, for you church leaders, for you who know that your neighbor needs Christ. This is for every Christian in this place and those that couldn't be here this morning. Peter's fishing experiences teach us all that the word of the cross is powerful. In lessons like, the word of the cross is powerful when when you are not. The the word of the cross is powerful when you are not. We've been toiling all night and taken nothing. I had my first experience of uh, taking nothing, of feeling like a failure, when I was a 17-year-old high school student at Hillcrest Academy in Minnesota. On a bitterly cold Sunday afternoon, Nathan Michelson and I were designated to conduct a worship service at the county jail. We walked downtown. That's a whole five blocks in Frigus Falls, all right? (laughs) We timidly told the jailer that uh, we were from Lutheran Brethren Schools and were there for the worship service. 
The jailer gruffly pointed to a door, unlocked it, and said, In there. In there was a narrow corridor. There were four cells with iron bars, and the corridor was about three feet wide. And there were men lying in their bunks, playing cards and listening to the radio. We had expected ten men sitting in chairs in a little chapel. And the setting was not our only problem. The men on the other side felt several times our size. Nathan and I together barely weighed 200 pounds. I was at least 5 foot 8 and Nathan was a tall 5 foot 6. I think we looked like a couple of middle school brothers who had come to visit. With no one to introduce us, Nathan began. He announced that we were from Lutheran Brethren Schools and were there for the Sunday afternoon worship service. I think one of the men turned his radio down. Nathan then led the service. I will have devotions. Nathan read scripture. Now I will sing a solo. <clears throat> Nathan took out his pitch pipe, <laughs> got his pitch, and in his soft tenor voice, he sang unaccompanied to the men behind the bars. Now Dave will speak. Dave spoke. Now I will pray. Nathan prayed. Now we will make a fast exit. (laughs) We walked back to the school in silence. What a fiasco, we thought. This experience fit with Peter's toiling all night and taking nothing. When we came into the front doors, uh, Mr. Olson happened to be in the hallway and he could tell by the looks on our face that something wasn't right. He he asked us what was troubling us and we poured out the story. He asked me what I had spoken about. (laughs) Freedom in Christ. Smile broke across his face. Began to chuckle. He said, what a wonderful subject for preaching on in a jail. His chuckle and his words so disarmed me that I suddenly realized as much as I could at the age of 17 that we hadn't failed. It wasn't a fiasco. We had read and we had sung and we had preached the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Though we felt weak and ineffective and defeated, the word of the cross is always powerful, even when you are not. That's why we help with children's programs, even when we don't feel like we're getting through. That's why an elderly saint from this congregation talks with and prays with a man at the assisted living place where he lives, even though the man seems so resistant to the gospel. That's why this congregation in the past has funded the mission of Ethan and Sandy in Taiwan, even though the work is long and hard. The word of the cross is powerful when you are not. That's not the only lesson Peter needed to learn that day. He also needed to learn the lesson that the word of the cross is powerful when the word is all you have. The word of the cross is powerful when the the word is all you have. 
Look at all the times in this text that the word is emphasized. Verse 1, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Verse 3, Jesus sat down and taught the people. Verse 5, at your word, I will let down the net. That's all Peter had, was the word. The time was wrong in the heat of the day. The place was wrong in the deep part of the lake. Peter was up against impossible odds. If he thought he was actually going to catch fish at that time of the day, everything about fishing was wrong. All he had was the word. At your word, I will let down the nets. Mike, at age, just age 29, was facing impossible odds when the word was all he had. He had finished two years of seminary, and just as his parents were moving from Seattle back to our part of the country, Mike took a call to Sydney, Montana, of all places. He was going to finish his third year of seminary online because of the shortage of pastors. He got there on July 1st, 2013. He had three funerals his first six weeks. It was his third funeral that left him with no resources of his own. And the word was all he had. One of the children in the congregation, nine-year-old Brody, lived on a ranch southeast of Sydney. He had taken the four-wheeler to go and feed the 4-H animals. There was an accident, and Mike had to plan a funeral for nine-year-old Brody. I remember Mike talking about the funeral and pastoral theology a few weeks later. I called him this week to ask, Mike, were you at a place where, where you had no resources of your own and the word was all you had? And he said, I was crushed. I scripted every word of that funeral service because I didn't want to break down. The word was all I had. And he sent me a sermon that he used at that funeral because Brody was already making his mark as a wrestler at the age of nine, the young pastor read from Genesis 32 the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. Mike proclaimed in the funeral sermon. Brody met his match when he wrestled against death, as each and every one of us will. When sin entered into this world, death came with it, and it is the fate we must all face. There's only one man who's ever faced death and won, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life that we were incapable of living. Jesus died the death that each of us deserved to die because of our sins. Jesus took the sins of the whole world with him to the cross. He took Brody's sins. He took my sins. He took your sins. And he suffered the wrath of God for our sins. He died paying the price for our sins so that we would never have to experience God's wrath, so that Brody would never have to experience it. 
We may never face a ministry challenge like Mike did. But we will face challenges in ministry when the word is all you have. Ben's call may be to reach the secularists of his generation. Ben, you'll discover the word is all you have. People of Maple Park, if you were to choose to reach just one ethnic group in your community, you would soon discover that the word is all you have. But as Peter learned that day fishing, you will also discover that the word is all you need, the word of the cross. The word of the cross is powerful when the word is all you have, but it's all you need. But Peter wasn't done learning. Discipleship 101 wasn't finished yet. There was one more lesson he needed to learn that day. Maybe the most important lesson of all. And it is this, that the, that the word of the cross is powerful. The word of the cross is powerful when you need the word yourself. The word of the cross is powerful when you need the word yourself. The crowd was watching Peter's fishing expedition. They must have thought his reaction to the catch rather strange. What does every other fisherman do? Yell, brag, even stretch the size of the catch. But there was no dancing about. No loud bragging of the vast numbers of fish. No blow-by-blow recounting of the terrible strain on the nets. Instead, Peter was desperate. His only thought was to put as much space as possible between himself and the one who had been occupying his boat. To to think he had even hesitated with his complaint, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. How could he stay in the presence of one so divine? He didn't just see fish, he saw power, he saw God, and he, he saw himself. All the darkness of his own heart came to the surface. It was exposed in the light of the Son of God. And all he could say was, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Do you notice that he first addressed Jesus as rabbi in the text, but now he addresses him as Lord? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And that is the experience of every true teacher and proclaimer of the cross. As the teacher or or proclaimer of such a powerful message, you will become aware of your own sinfulness. Whether preparing a Sunday school lesson or a youth group talk or the Sunday morning sermon, We can't avoid the same exposure that Peter experienced in the presence of our holy God. Preparing to teach or talk or preach, our lives are are laid bare before him. Might be the sin exposed in the text. (laughs) Might be our pride. It might be our fear or our hesitation to even follow the Lord's command and throw out the net of his word. 
exposed. Exposed. <laughs> exposed. Depart from me, for I am so sinful. And then our Lord speaks what may be the shortest statement of absolution in all of Scripture. In Greek, it's just two words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid in my holy presence. Don't even be afraid of your own sinfulness because in the cross you are cleansed and fitted for this task. I will make you fishers of people. I am calling you to proclaim the powerful word of the cross. So, will we see boatloads of fish? Will we see a crowded sanctuary on a day when it's not snowing, I mean? (laughs) Will we see a youth room overflowing with teenagers? We might. Let me tell you another fishing story. This one's also true. When our younger son was uh, eight years old, we went fishing at a pond in our town called Half Moon Lake. And from shore, Chris caught sunfish, three-inch long sunfish. Uh, For you who are used to uh, saltwater silvers and kings, you might not even call them fish. But in the Midwest, we call them fish. And... As we were fishing, Chris uh, kept catching. He was so excited. We had a five-gallon bucket, and with each fish he caught, I took the fish off the hook and threw it into the water in the bucket and put another worm on the hook. Chris was mesmerized watching the bobber. But it was getting dark. It was getting late. It was time to leave. We counted the fish, 11 total And I couldn't bear the thought of the surgical microscopic work necessary to clean those fish. So without trying to sound like I was pleading, I I said, Chris, maybe we should put them back and catch them when they're bigger. There was a long pause. Okay, Dad. We emptied the bucket of fish back into the pond. When we got home, Chris couldn't wait to tell his mother. With eyes bright, he told her about fishing, about the barber going down, and then another fish. Mom, I caught 11 fish. And then he spun toward me his arms as wide as he could put them, and he said, all together, Dad, were they about this long? (laughs) All together, were they about this long? Jesus has the eyes of an eight-year-old boy. 
And he knows that when you've got 33, 11 three-inch fish, you've got 33 inches of fish. It doesn't always look like a boatload. It doesn't always look like a boatload. Sometimes the effect of the powerful word of the cross looks like a young couple driving away from Sunday morning worship at Maple Park where their baby has just been baptized and the wife says to her husband, we've got to make sure that our, our little Elsie gets to Sunday school so she can learn about Jesus, her Savior. Sometimes it looks like Ben out for coffee with a couple of teenagers and saying, it's really worth it to follow Jesus. Let me tell you why. Sometimes it looks like a Sunday school child singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And you can see it on their face that they really believe it. Who knows? It may even look like another of Maple Park's gifted young adults applying for seminary and saying, the Lord has called me to proclaim the powerful word of the cross. It is worth it to send them. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit We'll just continue to press into our hearts and lives the wonder and the power of the cross and to empower us to share it with all that are around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.